Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode, everybody. We are happy to be with you. We are. As usual. Thanks for listening. That was a line from a Superman movie. As usual. Oh, right. Was. I think I've done that before on this podcast. It could be. Probably have. Oh, it kind of gets a little blurred in our minds sometimes. <laughs> sometimes before we record, we say, have we talked about this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, we're, listeners. Some of you have heard them all. And You've we, heard us we're repeat just commenting. ourselves. We're close to 200 episodes. That's right. It's crazy. What is this episode? One, 184. 184. Well, welcome yeah. to our 184th Ask Christopher West podcast yes. hosted by Wendy West. Here I am. Alrighty. So I'm going to Spain. I'm leading a pilgrimage. We talked about this in the last episode. Mm -hmm. To Spain and to Fatima. There are still some spots left. If mm -hmm. anybody wants to join us, I think we have just a few spots left on our bus. If anybody wants to put your butt cheeks in those seats. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm doing the study guide for all the pilgrims. We're going to be First we go to Fatima, and then we go to Spain. We're going to be following in the footsteps of John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. So I'm putting together some reflections on these two awesome saints, in addition to my reflections on Fatima and JP2 and Theology of the Body. And I just love some of the things I've learned about the personality of Teresa of Avila. I thought mm -hmm. I'd share something. This oh, is from her autobiography. She says, she's talking about, life before she entered the convent. Mm -hmm. She says, I took inordinate pride in my appearance. I dressed in the latest fashions. I doused myself with perfumes. I pampered my hands and I fussed with my hair. I was overly concerned about how I looked and smelled <laughs> and how I seemed to other people. These things did not feel sinful to me, and so I spent years preoccupied with them. And she goes on to say, you know, it's not like she enters the convent and these things just stop, like mm -hmm. those those tendencies. She had to go through a weaning, and, and that took a long time. She was actually 20 years in the convent, she says, until she really start, started taking her prayer life mm -hmm. seriously. Mm -hmm. There's so much we can learn here from reading the autobiographies of the saints. The autobiographies of the saints are far more honest right. <laughs> than the biographies of the saints. I think it was, was it Mother Angelica who once said, there's a special place in purgatory reserved for the biographers of saints? <laughs> <laughs> because of, they just often don't give us the real humanity. They don't, we get this idea, these hyper pious people who are perfect from day one. It's not real. Uh, the road to sanctity is a long journey. Um, God can intervene and bring sanctity in an instant if he wants, and he does maybe on occasion with some people, but the general thrust of growing in holiness is it takes a lifetime. So I think it's encouraging to actually hear what saints have actually struggled with. Mm. Did you encounter that quote when um, St. Teresa is talking about um, 
a time when she went to pray and she had a terrible headache and she just couldn't even pray. Oh yeah, she talked. She, I I don't know if it's the exact same one, but she does talk about uh, these. There was even a time where she had some. Yeah, her she yeah maybe it was a headache. She she was in such pain she simply could not pray. But she says she learned how to turn her pain yeah. into a prayer. But maybe you're yeah. going to talk about something yeah, else. Yeah, just that she felt like she heard the voice of the Lord in that place of not being able to pray. That he said I to her, you have nothing to offer to me, and I've come here just to love you mm. in your suffering and just that honesty of like i i can't do it i just it's so helpful because i can feel yes, that way yes. too and interestingly yeah. enough if you just say lord i can't pray right now well guess what you just did that was a prayer that was a prayer oh that's awesome yeah okay <laughs> like it <laughs> you ready for a question from a patron let's do it this is from amy but i have to say before we get to amy oh sorry if anybody wants to join us on this pilgrimage All right. and you're thinking I don't have the money. How am I ever going to get off work? What about the kids? If you really want to come and those are the things that are making you say, I can't do it, put each of those, what you consider obstacles, and maybe they really are obstacles, put them in the womb of the Blessed Mother. Say, Mary, if you want me to go on this pilgrimage to Fatima and to Spain, you make it happen. Bring it to birth. Mm. We've had countless stories of people who have done that and the money comes through the people that take care of the kids come through, the vacation that time needed from work comes through. So don't think it's impossible. Mm. Give it to her. Amen. Now let's go to Amy. And okay. check out in the show notes where the link is to learn more. Amy, here's what you sent. I've been married now for almost eight months. I'm so blissfully happy. I adore my husband and love our marriage. Woohoo! But now... I'm pregnant. Woohoo! <laughs> and I'm afraid of things changing. For as long as I can remember, I've always wanted kids. I love working with children. Our marriage has been 100% open to life. However, now that I'm actually faced with motherhood, I'm terrified. I'm afraid of the changes happening to my body and what I will look like after. I'm afraid of the trauma of delivery. I'm also afraid of how becoming parents will change the dynamic of our marriage. I don't want my marriage to change. I want to remain as happy and in love as we are now for forever. Can't help it. This is the way my brain works. I hear songs. Ch -ch 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 changes turn and face the strange Ch -ch changes this is life dear sister amy this is this is life i can relate to the anxiety oh, yeah uh, everybody can yeah everybody can we we are we are made here, here's what i think is going on this is this is my guess being a human being relating to things that human beings go through this is my guess I'm reminded of a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. He says, we experience moments of joy. We experience moments of bliss. And in those times, in those experiences, we realize this is never meant to end. Mm. And mm. one of the great sadnesses of human life is that we know these things come to an end. They change. So there is a beautiful yearning, Amy, 
in your heart to experience a joy, a goodness, a love, a happiness, a peace, a bliss that doesn't change, that is everlasting, that is secure, that doesn't go away. And I, would, I just want to affirm that right away before we talk about how to embrace change and all that stuff. I just want to affirm your desire for a life that, that stays peaceful, joyful, blissful. That's good. That's God-given. But it might be, and probably is, because this is part of human experience too, misdirected. When we expect the things of this life to be the everlasting realities, the things that don't change, we will be disappointed. And those disappointments, those disillusionments, and I like that word a lot. We think of disillusionment as something negative. But if you think of it from another angle, disillusion, take away the illusion, right? We don't want to live illusions. We want to live in reality because reality is good for us. Illusions are not good for us, right? We want to be disillusioned, and it's important that if, not if, but to the degree that, because this is the truth in all of our lives, to some degree or another, our, our desire for the everlasting is aimed at this life. And that's where all of our disillusions come from. All of our disappointments come from that reality. I call it inverted rocket engines, right? We're meant to be aimed at the stars. We're meant to be aimed at the eternal, but we We've been inverted through original sin, and we're expecting something out of this life that it cannot give. Amy, your marriage is beautiful. I'm so glad. I'm so happy. Wendy and I rejoice with you to hear mm -hmm. how wonderful these eight months of married life have been. Awesome. That's a beautiful sacramental sign of an everlasting reality. It's an icon of heaven, but it's not heaven. And we have to, I love this expression, I got it from Stanislaw Griegel, who was a professor of mine and a personal friend of St. John Paul II. Stanislaw Griegel says, when we have these encounters with beauty, with goodness, with truth, with joy, we should rejoice in them, but we should not give up the pilgrimage. We have to continue, and this is his expression, we have to continue journeying upstream until we get to the source of beauty, mm -hmm. to the source of joy, to the source of the goodness we long for. And that's the journey well-lived of this life, always journeying upstream and taking those times of respite that the Lord grants us to pause, to sit. I'm thinking of, I'm a backpacker and when I'm climbing a, a mountain with a 40 or 50 pound pack on my back, uh, I have my mind and body set in what I have to do to get there. But there are times up that mountain where I have to rest. I have to sit and take in the view or just absorb a breeze or pause because I see a beautiful tree or a, a beautiful creek and I want to take my pack off and jump in and cool off or waterfall or what have you. That's uh, such an image for me of the journey of the interior life, but I have to, if I want to get to the top, I have to keep going. And that's my advice to you, Amy. Rejoice in this time the Lord has granted you and your, your newlywed husband. It's awesome, beautiful. 
but there's more. The journey continues, and the change that is coming, which is inevitable, there'll be aspects of sorrow, there'll be aspects of adjustment that aren't easy, but the change will bring new joys. The change will bring new tastes of beauty. The changes will bring new glimpses of eternity that you wouldn't have without them. There's always more. There's always more. Keep going. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I think this is certainly a marriage that has already experienced a lot of graces that are um, graces in a certain consoling um, way that consolations are strengthening to us. Um, And so what is the strength given for um, but to serve? And you're serving one another in your love, but that that love has the ability to reach others beyond your duo. And that's so apparent because there's another person already present with you in your home, in your love, living in your womb. And that's mm-hmm. just evidence that that love has the capacity to reach beyond just the two of you. I think, as I said at the very beginning, when, you know, I read the question, this is so everybody experiences anxieties. It's a combination of excitement and fear that can lean more toward excitement and more toward fear, depending on uh, what's going on. But it's so, so normal. Um, I have a book on my shelf that I want to recommend to you because I've read a little bit of it and because I trust the authors and it's called Then Comes Baby. Mm. It's written by Greg and Lisa Popchak. And it's specifically for Catholic couples who are looking at this adjustment of going from marriage to parenthood and, um, you know, so honoring of the experience that you're talking about, Amy, of being afraid and being anxious, but also practical in some ways to, you know, navigate this transition and have it be also grace-filled. And I just, because it's a thing that's important to my heart, I just was a little bit um, drawn to the expression of being um, afraid of the trauma of delivery, just because I um, found that delivering our babies was some of the most unifying experiences for us as a couple in our whole story of our marriage. Yes, yes. And in the first one, especially what I experienced in the, the being in that place of vulnerability, which you are as a mother, it's, it's an amazing combination of strength mm. and vulnerability all Wendy, in you one. Were- Awesome. All five of them. I just was absolutely amazed at what I witnessed in you. Thank you. Astounded. Thank you, my love. But in that place was an experience of our bond, your ability as my husband, as the father of the baby that's coming into the world to uh, be with me every step of that process to just give your all to supporting that um, was such a sign to me of our united commitment to parenting this person that it was so such a tangible experience to draw from it's the lord is there the oh 
goodness is the Lord there. I know in John Paul II's Familiaris Consortio, he talks about the profound experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit at the birth of a child. Mm -hmm. We felt that. And so I just share that with you as just a, a counterpoint to the natural, understandable anxieties about a new experience that you know is going to be a powerful one. I wanted to share that hopefulness that of how powerfully the Lord can be present to you and, and to encourage you in your preparations for that, to have that sense of the Lord's gifts to you as a couple there. Amen. If the destiny is real, there really is a place where the joy lasts forever without alteration, without risk, without any chance of losing it, where moth does not eat and thieves do not come to steal, but it really lasts forever, then we can make the journey of this life in hope. Hope. Keep going, Amy. Bless you, bless you. You'll be in our prayers. Mm, Amen. Our next question is from a listener named Christopher. Hello, Christopher. Good name. I like it. Christopher says, your videos on Theology of the Body have been so vital in my reversion back to a deeper love for Christ. In fact, it's inspired me to want to help share this antidote of our times, not simply with my family and friends, but I feel a calling to do so as my vocation and my career. Bless you, Christopher. The problem is, my reversion to the faith happened while in the midst of medical school. At first, mostly so as not to hurt my parents... I thought I would stick it out and try to integrate my newfound spirituality into a psychiatry specialty, thinking that this was God's plan for me. While I was getting through it at first, I'm not sure how much more I can do, as my passion is elsewhere, and I feel like I'm wasting the time and gifts God has given me for an unbalanced and resentful lifestyle. Mm -hmm. This is all context to my ultimate question. How do you discern what God is calling you to do versus what you want to do? Mm. Part of me wants to take up my cross and honor my family and their sacrifices, but part of me wants to follow this dream, even if it means more schooling and debt and disappointment from my family. Um, Is that selfish and going against God's will or practicing God's gift of freedom to do good in different ways? Bless you, Christopher. You are, you are in a place of uh, really needing uh, to hear what God is asking of you. And every human being who takes his spiritual journey with the Lord seriously is going to face that dilemma. How do I know where the Lord is calling me? I mean, he, I have to look at my own... Um, inclination to respond in this way. I I have an inclination to say, well, maybe you're meant to integrate theology of the body with psychology and work in that way. At the same time, I'm hearing you, and it's coming through pretty loudly in the way you've worded your question. I hear you having resistance to that as a path. Like, And maybe even I'm hearing also there are a lot of family expectations on you. Mm-hmm. If you have pursued a medical career because of family expectations, that's going to be a ball and chain. Uh, you sh- I do not think you should pursue a medical career because of someone else's expectations. If a medical career is welling up from within you, 
as something you feel called to do, then yes, pursue it. If what you are realizing is, I think I went down this path to fulfill somebody else's expectations on me, then I, I think you are right to say you're, you're gonna, that's not going to be a, a life-giving path for you and you're going to resent it. Um, you're going to have to face some short-term pain, which would be facing the disappointment of your family and the expectations they've put on you that are not being fulfilled. But you know what? In the end, that's their problem. That's not your problem. <laughs> and making the decision for yourself as to what you're to do with your life, even if that causes waves in your family, those waves will will help bring, I would believe, in the long term, I don't, you know, they could embrace it as a grace and major healings could be underway in your family relatively quickly. Uh, if they're kind of stubborn and cling to their expectations and retain their disappointment that you didn't fulfill my expectations, well, that could be a much longer journey. But either way, that's not your problem. My point is, if you are following the Lord, it will cause waves, and those waves shouldn't concern you. Uh, those waves will be waves of grace for the other people in your life as well. I do hear, Christopher, the same kind of fire in your belly that I had in, you know, 30 years ago when I first read The Theology of the Body. That's what I felt. I have to give my life to this. This is the antidote to the crisis of our times. The world needs to hear this. I hear that in you, Christopher. And so I want to be a voice of encouragement. You will have naysayers. I had so many naysayers when I was in my mid-20s, and I was giving my life to studying this. I'm in graduate school studying John Paul's teaching. I'm beginning to give kind of a shape and a vision to what I want to do with it. This is the, the mid-90s now, and I had so many naysayers. You'll never be able to raise a family and do that. And thank you, God, that I had uh, the gumption or the grace or the combination or whatever to say, no, the Lord has called me. I have a fire in my belly. I believe the Lord has called me to this. I am pursuing this. I'm going to give my life to it. And if he wants me to do it, and he wants me to be a married man and raise kids, he's going to find a way to make it all work. There have been struggles along the way. There have been, oh my gosh, how are we going to make this work along the way? Uh, but he has made it work. And uh, yeah, thank you, God, for all the ways you've provided for me to do this work. Christopher, I hear the call in you. Here's what I say, and I'm, forgive me, this isn't the way my brain works, but it's a line from Braveheart. If you're a Braveheart fan, it's when William's father dies in battle, and young William has this dream of his father coming to him, and his father says, your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it. <laughs> so that's what I say to you, brother. Yeah, Christopher, my husband, and Christopher, listener, I have your questioner. I, I want to say something to both of you. So Christopher, my husband, that thing you said about your heart is free, have the courage to follow it. I, that's a powerful, important, formative moment in, in the story, in that movie. Yeah. And if, 
uh, you know, it could be a good thing to watch for some of our listeners and reflect on how does the rest of the story develop because that of that yep. moment. Yep. Um, and to just take that in is is very. There's nothing contrary to our faith in that at all. Um, that is, it's a, a beautiful word. Um, and Christopher, the questioner, uh, you you put that in your question. Is this practicing God's gift of freedom to do good in different ways? So obviously your situation could be a little complicated, especially um, with the finances as, and you're talking about debt. So I, there's no way that um, we can know the specifics of how that is meant to be handled. Um, but I, I do think, as my husband Christopher was saying, um, there's there's a sense of when you are hearing the Lord calling you that it is just burdensome to not follow that call because because the call is such a powerful force. Um, certainly there could be a need to find um, maybe community of other people in the medical profession to just explore whether that initial going into the medical field, is also an aspect of God's call on your life and and kind of looking for others who've taken up theology of the body in that um, field is a possibility. But also looking at whatever might be holding you back from what may be a rather clear path forward that you're desiring to follow um, is is also part of the discernment. You asked, how do we discern? And I think part of that is is for us has always been journaling, you know, writing things down to get some clarity, to write it down, not just because you want a record, but because you want to invite the Lord into your process through that um, journal time. Let it be in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Let it be shared maybe with a spiritual director or a counselor that is in tune with the Holy Spirit. So those are some just discernment um, tips that we want to share. It is often a difficult thing to say, Lord, is this what you're calling me to? Uh, there's a beautiful um, technique recommended by all the way back to the, uh, is it 7th century, St. Benedict, talking about discerning by just living as if you've made a decision. All This is an interior process that can be really helpful. If you would just rather than staying in that tension of the conflict to prayerfully ask the Lord to help you to experience what is it like going forward if I make this decision to stop medical school and to, you you don't have to communicate about anyone else to it, just to live what that does inside your heart, mm -hmm. maybe advice. over several days or even a, a week or something to just look at what happens inside me if I imagine myself making that decision. I think you're already living what it's like to not make that decision. So that's that's a discernment process to consider as well. I know that we cannot tell you for sure what God is calling anyone to. We can't do that for you as much as we'd love to have those easy answers. But I think um, all your prayer and all that you're thinking on is is a step on that journey of discernment that we can only affirm it's that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to have the grace and desire to follow the Lord in your life. Amen. 
Brother, go where the fire is leading you. Mm -hmm. And if it turns out that it's leading you into further studies on the theology of the body, consider coming to study with us. We have a working relationship with Pontifex University, which allows us, in conjunction with them, to provide a master's degree in theology of the body and the new evangelization. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my 50s now. I've been doing this for nearly 30 years, and in the years ahead, I am looking for people to whom to pass the torch. So our goal over the next 20 plus years is to train up more and more people to continue this work. Mm -hmm. So if you're called, be not afraid, say yes. Amen. Our next question is from a listener named Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. Thank you so much for the work you do. I know that many of us love to listen to your podcast and have grown so much from listening to you. My question has to do with parental blessings. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend and I, we're both Catholic, are hoping to get married in the near future, but his father is not on board with our union. His reasons do not fully make sense, and they include some anti-Catholic beliefs. Oh boy. But the crux of it is that he refuses to give us his blessing. My question is, what is the importance of a parental blessing? What is the impact of his refusal to give us his blessing for our marriage if we proceed? And what should we do? Bless you, Elizabeth. Uh, you have my blessing, <laughs> for whatever that's <laughs> worth. <laughs> End of answer. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. It was. I just caught myself. That was my my came from my heart. Bless you, Elizabeth. And then I realized this whole question is about blessings yeah. from fathers. And I'm a father, and maybe in some sense a spiritual father to you, as you have been blessed by the work that we do here. So, huh. in answer to the specific question, uh, it it sounds like I'm so glad you included in your question that some of what's going on is an anti-Catholic sentiment. That helps me know how to answer this question. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is an anti-Catholic sentiment that is leading him to withhold a blessing, well, then you know that something's off in his heart, right? Whatever, maybe he had some painful experience with the Catholic Church. Um, who knows? I don't want to try to read into that. I'm just reminded now of something Fulton Sheen said, there are not a hundred people in the world who hate the Catholic Church, but there are countless thousands or millions who hate what they think the Catholic Church is. So I don't think he would be one of those hundred who actually know really and truly what the Catholic Church is and then hate it. He just has misgivings, misunderstandings about what he believes the Catholic Church to be. That aside, the Lord has a plan for your life that is not going to be thwarted by the lack of a blessing from a confused man who has misgivings about the Catholic Church. So, I mean, would I wish that he was on board with this relationship? Would that be a blessing to have his blessing? That's redundant. Obviously, it would be a blessing to have his blessing. But don't think your relationship is somehow doomed or cursed because it does not. Right? In the proper order of things, of course, we would want that blessing. 
in the absence of that blessing, do not think you are doomed. If you have discerned this relationship correctly, uh, if you have put it all in the light and you really believe the Lord is calling you to marriage, embrace it. Where, will there be trials because you're not, you don't get the approval of your husband's father? Uh, yeah, there will be trials with that. Um, can the Lord provide for you in that place and give you all the grace you need to work through those trials? Yes, indeed. And maybe, who knows, maybe the Lord will use your marriage to his son to bring about a new perspective in his heart over time as to who and what the church is through the example of his daughter-in-law. So, mm, yeah, I feel that, you know, it's good to be clear that um, the Catholic Church does not have any requirement yes. of parents' blessing or even permission. The people presenting themselves to the church for marriage are simply coming, requesting the sacrament as themselves, as individuals. And and that's because that's the nature of the sacrament. It's those two who the church is witnessing they're being joined together. I'll just add here for the sake of clarity that in in countries, for example, like the United States, where a person does not have legal, doesn't reach legal adulthood until 18, uh, if a person were under 18 and didn't have permission from parents, sure. the church would just wait until the person reached 18. But your point stands. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, little well, that makes clarification. Sense. Yes. So if that is in any way just freeing up for your heart to know that, um, uh, we as representatives of, you know, sharing what does the church say about this? I, I'm just saying that same thing you said, Christopher. Yep. Um, you are certainly free to marry and, um, and just certainly, I think, um, keeping in mind that even though that we are just the two of us coming together, do our families impact our relationship absolutely they do that would be foolish to think otherwise and yet um if hopefully you and your soon-to-be husband or fiance can really come to a deeper understanding of how to pray for that for his father in the midst of all of this and uh, you know allow the lord's graces in your sacrament to reach him i think that that's a a beautiful gift i'm thinking of some friends of ours who years ago uh, we're in a similar situation. The, they didn't have the blessing of one of the parents to get married, and they had we. There was kind of an exaggerated sense of needing that blessing, but they were greatly relieved when they went to the Catholic priest, and the priest said, "No, you, you. This is between you two. You are both legal adults. You are uh, free to enter this marriage. Um, that's the blessing you need." It's the blessing of the church, mm. which comes from the blessing of the Father. If you have that blessing, march forward with confidence and peace mm. without, without discouragement. The Lord will provide the graces you need for whatever trials might be ahead. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We hope this blessing, this blessing episoded you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? We hope this episode blessed you, oh, yeah, and if it hope. did, and you know others who would be blessed by it, please hit that share button to help us grow our listenership. We'd be grateful for the... Can't get my words out. We'd be grateful for that. Until next time, may you know it, 
wholeheartedly. <laughs> I can't get my words out. May you know it wholeheartedly that you are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Thank you.